continue to worship him this morning.
it's amazing he was born in that little manger it amazes me hallelujah we god we thank you god for who you are and what you are and what you're gonna be god amen hallelujah you come at the right time when i least expected never
God had said, this is going to happen to you. You're going to, you're going to be able to see, your eyes are going to see the Savior. In Luke chapter 2, it says this, Simeon took him in his arms when Jesus was brought to the temple and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised. And uh, I don't know maybe what you're waiting for in your life, what your expectation is of God doing things, but God is a God who keeps his promises. Even when it looks like he may not be, he always, always does. Amen? Amen. Hey, it's so good to see you this morning. You look very festive. Some of you, you know, red and green. You're looking really sharp. But uh, let's take a few minutes and greet each other this morning. God bless you. Well, as you find your seats again, we want to welcome you to Praise Assembly. And if you are our guest today, maybe you came uh, as a guest of a friend, uh, maybe you just... We're brave enough, and you're like, I'm going to try this church, and I don't know a soul. Um, but if you're a guest here today, if you could complete our Connect card, that would be a, an enormous help to us. You can uh, fill it out, and in the conclusion of the service today, at the guest services desk in the lobby, you can just hand it to them. They have a gift for you, and that would just be, again, a help to us and a, a way to uh, enable us to thank you officially for being here today. Uh, we're going to receive this morning's tithe and offering. And Pastor, a little bit later, is going to give you a little Convoy of Hope update, our offering we took back around Thanksgiving, I believe on the 20th, and so he's going to give you an update on that. But let's pray. Lord, thank you for the privilege to give. It is an honor. It is a privilege to be able to worship you in this way. And I pray your blessing over this moment. Let it be a time of joy. Let it be a time of excitement that we get to worship you in such a tangible, powerful way. Lord, bless this offering in Jesus' name. Amen.
Thank you. Hey, it is beginning to feel a little bit like Christmas. And if you remember last week, we had a blast with the kids and their musical they did for us. And I'm glad we get to keep this background all month. Um, I, I just love it. In fact, I came in this morning. One of the stars was on the ground, so had to put that back up. We don't have falling stars. But last week, we had some real stars up here. And again, the kids did a wonderful job. Uh, and then today, for what it's worth, um, I've asked our pastors, each one, to preach something about Christmas each week. And in a moment, Pastor Brandon will kick off the season, and I'll be preaching on Christmas Day. A reminder about Christmas and New Year's. There won't be any life groups, no Sunday school classes. Uh, but the cafe will open at 9, so you can come in and fellowship as you wait for church to begin at 10 o'clock. And Christmas Day in particular, there won't be any nursery or toddler care. So we, we make it just like the Christmas Eve service. But so it's one hour. Try to keep it a little bit more concise so the little ones can stay here and you can be here together as a family. Um, and then on Friday night, December 30th, it is the final Friday of 2022. We're going to, again, have some food. I say again, but you know tonight, right? We're eating tonight, 530. Uh, so make sure you're here on time. But then on the final Friday, we're going to eat again. Probably leftovers from your house. Actually, I know someone here who makes these grape jelly meatballs, and she does it every year. I'm not saying who. So there'll, there'll be some fresh stuff here too, but you get to take all your leftover stuff that you want to get rid of, and we'll eat it. I didn't have it. You had it at your house, and so it'll be new to me. But uh, yeah, bring that, and also probably some leftovers from tonight too. Uh, so we'll eat, and then the youth have their evening together until I believe about 11 o'clock or so. Um, let's see, what else is coming up? Just reading to you the bulletin. Um, Christmas Hope, yeah, those of you that signed up with Joy Coleman to bring things in for Head Start Kids, let's do this coming Wednesday. Make sure you get into her by then. Try to see her in the lobby. Uh, let's see. Boy, I don't want to over... Oh, I know what. Uh, because of tonight's banquet, as soon as the service is over, we need your help to get chairs and tables set up for dinner. And then we have a crew coming in to decorate for tonight. Uh, some of you, somebody already asked me today, I didn't sign up. Can I still come? Yes, you can. Because we have people sign up and then don't show up. And I always buy extra food. So if you didn't sign up, you are invited tonight. Really hope you'll come. You'll enjoy the comedian. Um, Terry Rutinsky was saying that uh, he said he gets to see him twice. He saw the comedian Friday night. And I'm like, where? And it was on the Huckabee show. So he was down there doing the filming for that and then flew home yesterday, uh, told me this week, don't worry about it. I will be there Sunday night. I'll make it. You know, you don't know with the airlines with their cancellations, but uh, hopefully he's in town and we'll see him tonight. If not, um, I guess we'll have Pastor Hans do comedy <laughs> somehow because <laughs> I'm not your man. It's not working. Out. I got a few giggles from you, but that's about it. Um, hey, listen, I want to show you a number. Do we have that number? That's what we gave to One Day to Feed the World, Convoy of Hope. Thank you for your giving. Thank you for your giving. And it's amazing how it all happened because that one day, over 17000 or about $17,000 came in. And since that time, people kept giving. We wound up sending 21000 into them. And now we're going to send some additional. So thank you for giving. And I wonder if we could go ahead and show our, the thank you from Convoy. Hey, Pastor Mike and everyone at Praise Assembly Church, I just wanted to take a moment to personally say thank you for your amazing generosity. God has used your giving to empower a global movement of compassion, which has truly been remarkable. Thank you for your trust in Convoy of Hope. 2022 has been a miraculous year of hope. Because of our partnership with you, Convoy of Hope has reached more hurting people and brought them more hope than ever before. And that hope is measurable. Together with you this year, we have fed 465,000 children every school day in 30 different countries. We've empowered and equipped over 35,000 women and girls and we've trained over 23,000 farmers in sustainable best practices. We've responded to more than 65 disasters and humanitarian crises worldwide. And together, over the last year, we have served over 29 million people. Together, we're bringing light to dark places and delivering hope to people who need it the most. So on behalf of everyone at Convoy of Hope, 
every farmer trained, every woman and girl empowered, every disaster survivor, and every child fed. Thank you. Amen. Thank you again for giving. Pastor Brandon. I like how that applause went right into me coming up and it just it got louder. I don't know how that happened. Hey, don't you wish that that 22,000 was your one day that you could give? I think Aaron Judge of the Yankees just signed a contract and I figured out the money and all of that. It's about 82,000 per at bat. Like I'd go up there and strike out three times, you know, for, you know, what, $240,000, that would be wonderful. Well, it's a little daunting to start off the Christmas season. Um, I'd rather follow somebody in doing that, but I'm okay this morning. And uh, my, my message I've kind of entitled Christmas Labels, and that'll make more sense as we go through. Um, but I want to tell you this up front. I hate knowing a gift. I hate figuring it out. I had a brother who could go to the tree, pick it up, shake it, and say, and he would say what it was. He somehow knew what was in that box, even though it was wrapped. I don't want to touch it. I don't want to feel how heavy it is because I can't turn my mind off from guessing what the gift is, and I can't stand that. I love a surprise. Does anybody else like to be surprised? Now, not like, you know, gift surprise, not like, rah, surprise, because that's not good for the heart. Um, I remember one year, and maybe I've shared this over Christmas time uh, through the years here, but I remember one year my, my sister brought me to the closet, we were young, brought me to my parents' closet and revealed every gift unwrapped that we would be getting. And Christmas morning was so, I was like, oh, well, thank you. It's like I already, I actually think, you know what it was? It was a Spider-Man helicopter. Anybody remember the thing that it would sit down and had this long wire and it would just go in circles. Well, I knew that that was for me. And so I kept trying to make my parents feel better by saying, you know what I really want this year? Spider-Man helicopter, that would be the greatest gift. It took all of the excitement, all of the fun, so thank you Desiree for ruining that Christmas. Have you ever done this? Have you ever gone crazy trying to prepare for Christmas and you're buying all the right gifts, you're checking off the list. Lynn and I were sitting there with our, both our computers last night going through what we think and what we're going to get and not get, only to come to find out that it was like, hey, we need one more gift. Maybe it was for Brandon when he was young. I'm going to go to a five and below and get something. And that became the greatest gift you ever bought. And it was like, I bought all these other things, but this last minute $5 you know, toy made Christmas. It was like, it could have saved me a lot of money. I would have just bought that. Um, something that I found, and maybe you're, you're, you know this, is when the kids are younger, it's more about numbers, you know? You could wrap a plant and give it to the kid. As long as he's ripping something open, it, it seems like he's busy. We, we always thought, you know, hey, the girls are going to be opening, but Brandon, he's going to need something at this point because he's not real patient to sit and watch others. I don't know if, thing, I, hopefully things have changed, Brandon, and we don't have to do that this year. How about this? Who can do the three pieces of tape wrapping? Raise your hand. Three pieces. Wow, that you're, you're skilled. I, I maybe have done it maybe with like a very simple like shirt box. But you get those kids' toys that have that weird wrap. And before you know it, you are like wrapping tape around, just trying to, and then you get a little break and you got to tape that up. Man, what a pain in the neck. But I don't mind wrapping, it's just very tedious. Right now the closet is just full of stuff that I know has to be wrapped. Um, have you ever done this? Have you ever wrapped a gift and forgot what in the world you just wrapped? <laughs> and maybe with three pieces of tape you can gently lift that one, but pretty much you start tearing and then you just unwrap it and you go from there. Or you go back and you've got a ton of gifts and you realize, I, I forgot to label that one. And you can't remember for the life of you. It's a, it's a certain size box, but you don't remember what you put in there. Here's a little tip, and maybe you've done this. The sticky labels, when they run out, I just fold a piece of wrapping paper and write whatever I'm going to write on there and tape it on there. That was for free this morning. You can have that. You can use that. But that's what I've done in the past. 
I want you to try something this year is try wrapping all of your gifts, put them under the tree, and don't put a label on any of them. <laughs> and what would happen? There would be a lot of crying. There would be a lot of, this isn't mine, and you open it up. And Have, have you done that? You, you open up a gift, and somebody says, oh, wait a minute, that's not for you. And you're like, here's your gift, you know, <laughs> surprise. The labels are the identifier of what is in that wrapping paper. It was what is in that gift. And we use that in many forms of life. You're going to think of some on your own. Some that I've thought of is labels on food and drink. There's probably not much on this water. I mean, there's not, there's not much uh, in there. But I hate those labels because you just want a simple treat. Yeah, I don't need to know how many calories. I don't need to know fructose and you know, all of these sweeteners that they rename. Pastor, you were showing me the other day, oh, that's just sugar. I was like, really? Like, you're thinking you're not using sugar. They're just naming it something different, but you're eating sugar. Those labels are awful. Um, you go in restaurants now, they tell you before you even order how many calories. It's like, please, I, I don't need to know that. I'm well aware that I'm eating unhealthy calories right now. Don't need to be reminded. How about this? Clothing, a mislabeled shirt. You're walking around saying, it says it's a large. It says it's a large, and you know, it fits. It fits really good. It's either that or you're swimming in it. Say, no, it's my size, and it's down to here. We've all done those things, or we, we knowingly, you know, hey, I'm going to stick with that large. Even though I probably should be an extra large, I'm going to stick with the large. Prescription bottles and medicines, very important that we read those labels. I am one guilty of, you get that little bag, and you have the bottle in there, and it's got this long thing. I don't read the long thing. My doctor said for me to take this, I don't care about... Sometimes with a lot of these, ignorance is bliss. I don't need to know. I just trust it's working. Sometimes it works so well, I say, you know what? It could be a sugar pill for all I know. It's helping me. I'm going to go with it. I don't know what I'm taking right now. I know some of you, probably it's more important. The more medications you start mixing, you should be reading up on what the interactions could be. Um, or even this, we, we would never, or at least we should never, or I would say, I would never pick up somebody's prescription bottle, not read the label, open it up, and take a dose. That is not highly suggested. Um, but people do those things. Um, always in the movies, they're reading somebody's medicine cabinet, and they're reading the label, like, yeah, I'm going to take those. Uh, that's somebody who's got a problem, obviously. Um, warning labels, poisonous, choking hazard. They label these things for our benefit, and we don't always heed them. How about this one? Mailing packages, especially this time of year. You better have that label well written out. I shouldn't tell you this story, but I'm going to. A few weeks ago, uh, my daughter got married, and pastor always taught me to fill out the wedding the marriage license the night before. Have, have the witnesses sign it. That way, next day, on your way home, I'll drop it in the mail. They don't have to worry about it. Drop it in the mail. I did it. I came to the office. I was like, well, I, have, I actually have it right here. I have my copy. I have my daughter's copy. And I'm looking and saying, hmm, I didn't sign those. I was like, if I didn't sign those, there's no way I signed the marriage license. So I called the office of, I don't even remember what office. It was whatever number I had. And the guy's telling me, that is a problem. He said, uh, now what's going to happen is they're going to, this is right around Thanksgiving. They're going to see that you didn't sign it, and they're going to mail it back to you. Then you're going to have to sign it. And I said, I can bring it in? He said, yes, you can. Here's the problem. Thanksgiving's coming up, and it has to be done by that Sunday, and our offices are going to be closed by the time you were able to get it back. I'm calling this guy every day. I'm checking the mail. I'm seeing. And finally, I get it in the mail. Sure enough, I did not sign that. So I signed it. I drove it straight down. And then Megan all of a sudden is getting all these emails about, oh, do this, do this. It was like, oh, you know, I'm trying to play it off. But I shouldn't tell you. Don't, don't panic. If you ever want me to marry you, I will not do that again. I've learned my lesson well. 
um, but how important it is to label something correctly. My wife, Lynn, if you don't know this, works for UPS, and, and much of her um, job description right now is relabeling packages, packages that either were written wrong or have the wrong address, and you look it up, and I think, man, what power she wields. You better be nice to her, because if your name comes across her and you've not been nice, she can just say, that's going to Kansas. Who knows? You know, and it's supposed to come to Middletown or something. Um, don't go messing with our packages, Lynn. Um, I recently, uh, we have neighbors. Now, mind you, we have lived in our house going into our fifth year. And we have an older couple on our left, very nice couple, have always, you know, talked with us. We talked to them before we even bought the house. And... He's, he's helpful, you know, always meet in the backyards or whatever. Five years, and I got a card in the mail, a Christmas card for Brand Dan and Lynn Frederick. I was like, we've lived together five, right next door to each other five years. It's Flanagan, but at this point, I didn't correct it two years ago when we got it. I'm not going to go correcting it now. Hey, I'm, I'm Brand Dan Frederick. That's, that's how I'm going to go from now on. Only thing I think, it's not technically mislabeled because it got to the right house. All I can assume is they're not very impressed by me or us, so. And then oddly enough, this was just brought to my attention last night. Who doesn't love a great label maker? Heather, you got one last night in your white elephant gift. I heard all about it. Do you remember the, heart, the ones you clicked? Click, 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 click. Turn the dial, click, click, click. Ah, oh, man, and then you just... One, one good time, you put it on the scissors mode, you cut out that label, and you label everything. We love to label things. Um, and then they get the fancy ones with the, I find those very hard to use. They've got different size numbers, and you print it out, it's like, that looks stupid, and whatever. We love our labels, and anybody label everything? No? No? I did something, I shouldn't even tell you this part, but I'm gonna tell you, I'm gonna embarrass Lynn this morning. I had all of these, uh, these little, um, containers that held uh, bungee cords. If you've ever seen them, they just have little tops. Well, the bungee cords, I just kind of hang up, but I started pouring my screws, my difference, my inch and a half, my inch and a quarter screws in there, and I said, look at this, Lynn, I labeled them. She goes, I gotta tell you, it's pretty hot. <laughs> That's for you, Lynn. <laughs> the simple things in life. If that's all I gotta do, I got it made here this morning. We label everything, and true to form, agree with me or not, we label one another. And we also receive labels from others. Now, a lot of times, these could be just uh, a quirkiness or a nickname that you grew up with. I had a friend, his name was Salvatore, but everybody called him Plinky. And I was like, Plinky? And my dad always said, well, he plays the piano. It was probably because he plinks. He said, the guy told me that has nothing to do with it. It was just a nickname my dad came up with, and that's what they call him. There's some people that you just, because of something you've done in the past, you get a, a cute nickname that sticks with you. But there's other times you're given names that are purposely not meant to be kind. They are meant to be hurtful. And maybe you've heard those before. And maybe you want to uh, defend yourself or you, you want to speak to it, but you know you'll, you'll only sink to their level and you'll only reassure what they've been saying about you. You know, maybe that you're a complainer or whatever, and you fall right into it. But have you ever been labeled so accurately that you even said, man, they really hit the nail on the head. They know me inside and out, and it's, it doesn't feel good. And you get this label, and it kind of sticks with you. Well, this morning, I, wanna, I know this is where am I going with all of this. The book of Joshua, and, and oddly enough, if you don't know this, that the, the name Joshua means God is salvation. And the name Jesus comes from, derives from Joshua. So Jesus is salvation. But in the book of Joshua, you're familiar with the story that Moses is not going to uh, take the Israelites into the promised land. So Joshua takes up that mantle, and now God is going to be with them, God is going to lead them, and ultimately, Joshua, Joshua will lead them into the promised land. And as you know, they come upon, early on, the walls of Jericho. And that's where we're going to open up to today, uh, is Joshua chapter 2. 
rather than me paraphrase, I'd just like to read these 23 verses as quickly as I can, but to get our point across this morning. So Joshua chapter 2, starting at verse 1, it says that Joshua secretly sent out two spies from the Israelite camp of Acacia, of Acacia Grove. He instructed them, scout out the land on the other side of the Jordan River, especially around Jericho. So the two men set out and came to the house of a prostitute named Rahab and stayed there for that night. But someone told the king of Jericho, some Israelites have come here tonight to spy out the land. So the king of Jericho sent orders to Rahab, bring out the men who have come into your house, for they have come here to spy out the whole land. Rahab had hidden the two men, but she replied, yes, the men were here earlier, but I don't know where they were from, uh, but I don't know where they were from. Uh, they left the town at dusk as the gates were about to close. I had taken them up to the roof, uh, excuse me, I don't know where they are or where they went. If you hurry, you can probably catch them. Actually, she had taken them up to the roof and hidden them beneath bundles of flax that she had laid out. So the king's men went looking for the spies along the road leading to the shallow crossings of the Jordan River. And as soon as the king's men had left, the gate of Jericho was shut. Before the spies went to sleep that night, Rahab went up onto the roof to talk with them. I know the Lord has given you this land, she told them. We are all afraid of you. Everyone in the land is living in terror. For we have heard how the Lord has, has made dry path for you through the Red Sea when you left Egypt. And we know that you, what you did to Sion and Og, the two Amorite kings east of the Jordan River, whose people you completely destroyed. No wonder our hearts have melted in fear. No one has the courage to fight after hearing such things. For the Lord your God is the supreme God of the heavens above and the earth below. Now swear to me by the Lord that you will be kind to me and my family since I have helped you. Give me some guarantee that when Jericho is conquered, you will let me live along with my mother and my father and my brothers and sisters and all their families. We offer our lives as a guarantee for your safety, the men agreed. If you don't betray us, we will keep our promise and be kind to you when the Lord gives us the land. Then since Rahab's house was built into the town wall, she let them down by a rope through the window. Escape to the hill country, she told them. Hide there for three days for the men, from the men that are searching for you. Then when you have returned, you can go on your way. Before they left, the men told her, we will be bound by our oath. We have, we have taken only if you follow these instructions. When we come into the land, you must leave this scarlet rope hanging from the window through, the, through which you let us down. And all your family members, your father, your mother, brothers, and all your relatives must be here inside the house. If they go out into the street and are killed, it will not be our fault. But if anyone lays a hand on, peop on people inside this house, we will accept the responsibility for their death. If you betray us, however, we are not bound by this oath in any way. I accept your terms, she replied, and as she sent them on their way, leaving the scarlet rope hanging out the window. The spies went up to the hill country and stayed there for three days. The men who were chasing them searched everywhere along the road, but they finally returned without success. Then the two spies came down from the hill country, crossed the Jordan River, and reported to Joshua all that had happened to them. The Lord has given us the whole land, they said, for the people are in the land, in the land, are terrified of us. You're familiar with the story, maybe not in depth like that. But here we have somebody who is called Rahab the prostitute. Not Rahab the protector of spies. Not Rahab the courageous, since she would be taking a huge risk in going against her country. There's no doubt if, if someone were to find out either her family, a family member, any one family member, maybe you can think of the family member that could turn you in if, if, if you went and told on her and she would have been killed for treason. But no, she simply gets the name Rahab the prostitute. The King James Version uses the term Rahab the harlot. Maybe you've heard that as well. And interestingly, in, in the Hebrew, harlot can be used to just simply describe somebody who keeps an inn. And if that's all we had to go on this morning, we could see how these men would end up at an inn that this lady Rahab would, would be running. But as we'll see in a little bit, we come to the New Testament, where they describe Rahab. And when they use the term prostitute, there's no guessing. It's what you think it means, 
And it's not the flattering kind. She's not just the keeper of in. She's every part, the label. There's no guessing or wondering what it means at all. There's no descriptive or there's no, uh, there's no, uh, leaves little to the imagination this morning. And I want to ask you this. Imagine the worst situation in your life. The worst time that you can think, the lowest you felt being attached with how you were described to other people. And this morning, I'm going to use my name so I don't offend anybody. I hope, well, no, these don't apply to me, but I want to use them. It doesn't mean that I don't have descriptives of me that could be used because I'm not perfect. None of us are perfect. Maybe this has been you, Brandon the drunk, Brandon the adulterer, Brandon the divorcee, Brandon the addict, Brandon the abuser, Brandon the road rager. Now the last one could apply a little bit. Another story for you was last, sat, last Friday night, a week ago Friday, I'm bringing Brandon to youth. I wasn't supposed to bring Brandon to youth, but it was kind of a last minute thing, so I'm kind of in a hurry. And I hit Route 40, and I'm like, this, this lane's taking forever, so I'm going to pull out. Well, the guy behind me beats me to it. And I didn't take kindly to that. I'm not road rager, but I'm upset. So I'm going to passively, aggressively tailgate a little bit, maybe show him that I'm not happy. I can't get around him. Well, doesn't he turn on Old Baltimore Pike? And then doesn't he turn right into church, right before I turn into church? He's dropping his kid off just like I'm dropping my kid off. So I don't know who you are. I don't know who you were. If you even picked up on my passive-aggressive driving, my apologies. Can you imagine something you've been through in life that you're not proud of? You know you've been delivered from it, but imagine going on in life that that is the label that describes you. Many times uh, I, I can think of Kayla coming home saying, you know, Dad, these, these girls in school are saying this about me. My, my big advice was, well, don't let it be true. Because then you can stand confidently knowing what you're saying is not true, but it doesn't make it any less painful or hurtful or annoying to have to go to school and be bombarded with these things that people are saying. But what about when it is accurate and you have no defense to offer up. They're right. You know they're right. They know they're right. Rahab had no defense against the label that she was given. It was accurate, and it was hurtful maybe, but probably not all of a shock to her. Um, but we can begin to see through this story, through what we read, that Rahab had a belief in God she said this, for the Lord your God is the supreme God of the heavens above and earth below. And she describes that the people there know of what God, their God has done for them. And now she's putting her faith and trust in these spies, ultimately in God, that they will deliver on their promise. She is, she is sacrificing a lot that if it doesn't work out and it's found out, it's not going to turn out very good for her. But because of her faith and her willingness to help, we soon will continue. We don't hear much about Rahab other than here. We will point out a little bit. But we begin to see that God's grace for her deed begins to pour out grace into her life. And because of her faith and her courage, we read that not only was she, her family spared, it also says if you read in this, that her house was in the town wall. Now that would say that the walls of Jericho, you're familiar, they marched around the Jericho seven times and then they shouted and those walls fell. But it says Rahab's home was still standing and her family, all that were inside, uh, were, able, were spared. Uh, I want to read this to you this morning. I didn't have it in my notes. This is uh, uh, Joshua chapter 6. Uh, verse 22, it says, Meanwhile, Joshua said to the two spies, Keep your promise. Go to the prostitute's house and bring her out along with her family. The men who had, had spies, who had been spies went in and brought out Rahab, her father, mother, brothers, and all the other relatives who were with her. 
and they moved her whole family to a safe place near the camp of Israel. Then the Israelites burned the town. Let me just jump ahead here. They, they demolish it. And it says, so Joshua spared Rahab the prostitute and her relatives who were there with her in the house because she had hidden the spies Joshua sent to Jericho and she lives among the Israelites to this day. So we see that not only was her home not destroyed and her family were spared, but her future would change drastically. She goes on to live with the Israelites. She settles with them. She goes on to somebody, again, we don't hear very much about, to marry Salmon, who is known to have been the architect of building cities. So here, this is a good Jewish man taking this Gentile woman with a sordid past, and yet she continues on in her life now, ultimately becoming, if you don't know this, the great-great-grandmother to King David. And so we come across her name again in the New Testament, and Rahab, this Gentile, she was a pagan God-worshipper, prostitute, is now described as one of the heroes of the faith. In the company of the, the likes of Moses and Noah and Abraham and Sarah and Joseph is Rahab the prostitute. And soon she would be recognized not only for her faith that she put in the spies that they would keep to their promise, but her faith in God Almighty. Jumping into the New Testament, the book of James, these are the only other areas we, we really hear about her. James 2, 25 and 26 says, Rahab the prostitute is another example. She was shown to be right with God by her actions when she hid those messengers and sent them safely away by a different road. Just as the body is dead without breath, so also is faith dead without good works. And then in Hebrews, the writer writes, it was by faith that Rahab the prostitute was not destroyed with the people in her city who refused to obey God, for she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. And I can't help but think that by now Rahab's probably saying, do you think we could drop the moniker, the prostitute? You know, do you think we could associate me with what I did and, and what I helped do? But I believe that it speaks when we're reminded continually of that. When we look at our past and we're reminded of what we came from, it speaks to what God can do with a surrendered life. Only what God can do that with a life that is surrendered to him. 1 Corinthians 1, 26 through 29 says this. Remember, dear brothers and sisters, that few of you were wise in the world's eyes or powerful or wealthy when God called you. Instead, God chose things the world considers foolish in order to shame those who, who think they are wise. And he chose things that are powerless to shame those who are powerful. God chose things despised by the world, things counted as nothing at all, and used them to bring to nothing what the world considers important. As a result, no one can ever boast in the presence of the Lord. I want to tell you today what God did through Rahab, he can do through you. Whatever your past is, whatever you have come through, God can use you. She not only finds herself in the New Testament as one of the heroes of the faith, but as we look at the lineage of, of Adam to Jesus Christ, we read in Matthew 1, 4 through 5, it says, Ram was the father of Aminadab. Aminadab was the father of Nashon. Nashon was the father of Salmon. Salmon was the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab. And I think, why would God include her name in there? Along uh, this lineage has Abraham, Jacob, King David. We find Rahab. And I think it is a testimony to God's abounding and wonderful grace. This is the one time in Scripture that we see her name and it's not associated with the label. It is simply Rahab. I'm reminded of a, another portion of Scripture. I'm going to not read all of this. This is from John this morning. But you're familiar with the story that Jesus is at the Mount of Olives. And they bring a woman to her who was not just an adulteress. It says she was caught in the act of adultery. And they, they bring her to Jesus. 
And they want her to say, what do you say? What do you say to her? Should we stone her? The book of Moses says that we should do that. Should we do that? And Jesus, you know the story, he he bends down. I should probably read it because I'm going to paraphrase it like nobody's business here. I'll I'll start at at verse 6. It says, they were trying to trap him into saying something they could use against him. But Jesus stooped down and wrote in the dust with his finger. They kept demanding an answer. So he stood up again and said, all right, but let the one who has never sinned throw the first stone. Then he stooped down again and wrote in the dust. When the accusers heard this, they slipped away one by one, beginning with the oldest until only Jesus was left in the middle of the crowd with the woman. Then Jesus stood up again and said to the woman, where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them condemn you? She said, no, Lord, she she said. And Jesus said, neither do I. Go and sin no more. I want to tell you today that your past does not have to define your future. We're the ones that hold on to that past. And we, we, we have a hard time letting it go. We will in two weeks from today celebrate the birth of the Messiah Jesus. And th- this verse is used, we mentioned it even in Life Group this morning, and it's used, you could probably all recite it without even thinking about it. John three sixteen and 17, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. So firstly, we see that this was a pure gift motivated by God's love for you and I this morning. It says we will not perish, but we will be saved. We'll have eternal life. And that alone, if that's all we had to go on for Christmas this morning, that is more than enough to celebrate. Amen? Amen? But understand today that when we come to Jesus, it was not meant to be just a once-for-all thing. It it certainly did that. It saved us. It it guaranteed our salvation and and to be with Christ. But this is uh, Max Licato, the writer. He has a book called Just Like Jesus, and this is the quote. God loves you just the way you are, but he refuses to leave you that way. He wants you to be just like Jesus. The Bible tells us that when we come to Christ, we will be transformed. And I don't know what you think about this morning when you hear that word. Maybe you think of a car that turns into a robot. But I want to tell you today, it means a thorough and dramatic change. And that's what God wants to do to each and every one of our lives this morning. Yes, come to him. Yes, give your life to him. Be saved by his salvation but he wants to change you. Romans 12, 2 says this, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. 2 Corinthians 3 says, but whenever someone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. For the Lord is the spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So all of us who have had the veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord, who is the Spirit, makes us more and more like him as we are changed into his glorious image. Folks, I want that for myself, and I want that for you this morning. Not just simply to, uh, and as great and miraculous as it is to come to the Lord and to just rest on our laurels, God wants to do so much through you this morning. So much through you. I love the thesaurus. I go to it often. And it gives us great descriptives of the word transform. And I want you to apply this and think about this is what God wants to do in your life. There's a movie where an actor, he he takes a deep breath in because he's about to say a lot of stuff. I should probably do that this morning. I am going to take a sip of water. (laughs) I'm going to do my best to tell you these this morning. This is what God wants to do in your life. Remodel, reshape, remold, redo, reconstruct, rebuild, recast, reorganize, rearrange, reorder, reshuffle, restyle, rejig, rework, renew, revamp, renovate, overhaul, remake, revolutionize, stir up, and turn upside down. 
That is what God wants to do in your life today. Hallelujah. That's what he wants to do in my life today. Hallelujah. You can give him all the praise you want right now. Hallelujah. God wants to transform your life. Why? Because we can reflect his glory. We can reflect his light. Not only does he want to transform us this morning, but he wants to conform us. Conform us as that is to be in one accord with Christ today. Again, Romans 12.2 says, not conformed to the patterns of this world. We hear that verse all the time. So not conformed to the pattern of this world, but conformed to the image of Jesus. Romans 8.28, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called. <laughs> it's all right, Meg. Uh, amen. Uh, who have been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. And those he justified, he also glorified. Folks, God wants you to look just like Jesus. Just like Jesus. Anybody feel like you look just like Jesus this morning? That's a, I, I don't feel like it. I know that God is working on me. I know that it is a process, but it's allowing him the opportunity to accomplish that in us. Rahab's conversion was just a true act of God's grace based on her faith in him. And if you this morning have put your faith in God, he can do the same for you. And maybe many of us, I'm sure if we went around the room, you would have testimony of God's grace in your life. That yes, I used to be this, but I am 180 this, and I no longer am that. You know, we often sing an amazing grace that saved a wretch like me. I'll tell you what, you were a wretch, but God sees something different in you this morning. He has saved you, and he is transforming you. This Christmas, if you and I know that you and I are offered the same grace and the same opportunity to have a new identity. What does Christmas mean to me? It means the opportunity to be transformed. I'm reminded that through that baby, light came into the world. That baby ultimately died for our sins, all of us together, to show us the way, but we are no longer identified by the sins of our past. You can leave behind the labels that have clung to you and defined you and held you back, and you can allow Jesus to have the final say in your story. We sang it this morning. God of my present, God of my future, you write my story. You hold it all together, and I want to give that to you, God. I can't be concerned what other people say about me. I can't control the narrative. What do you say about me? Let that be the truth. Hallelujah. As I was putting this together, I think just last week, Jim Cimbala from Brooklyn Tabernacle had put a quote on a portion of one of his sermons, and it says this, the moment you became a Christian, whatever your background, God's purpose is to make you more like Jesus. The Bible talks about it. We're to be conformed to the image of his son. God wants us to be like our savior in our character. We don't have to die on a cross. Our, our blood doesn't have that kind of power. But the Lord has all of us in his process of chipping away the old and replacing it by the Spirit of God, by his grace, with more and more of Jesus. The result is that when, we meet, when people meet us, they can see how beautiful Jesus is through our lives. Think about that. When people meet you, are they seeing the beauty of Jesus in your life? Jesus said, you are the light of the world. The Lord has not chosen to speak through the angels, but he wants the world to see us resembling him and representing him. John 12 says this, Jesus says, my light will shine for you just a little longer. Walk in the light while you can so the darkness will not overtake you. Those who walk in the darkness cannot see where they're going. Put your trust in the light while there is still time. Then you will become children of light. Now that's a label to strive for. How about this? 
I'm going to use my name again, so I don't embarrass anybody, but I'm going to take all this credit. Brandon, the child of light. Brandon, the forgiven. Brandon, the saved. Brandon, the transformed. That can be your testimony this morning. That can be the label you hold your head high knowing what Christ has done. Jesus came as the light of the world. And now we are to reflect his light and his likeness in our lives. Hallelujah. Pray with me this morning. Father, we all have different concepts of what Christmas means. I, I know that leading up to it, it can be such a crazy time with work schedules and end of year and all of these things, God, and shopping and all of the, the things that go along with that. But Lord, we don't want to lose sight that our Savior came into this world. We really don't want to lose sight that not only did he come to save and not condemn, but he wants to transform us this morning. He wants to renew us and rework us and, and take all of those things that we used to live by and, and label ourselves and set us free from those and give us new purpose and new identity. Lord, I pray for anybody here concerned for that very reason this morning, Lord, that you would minister to them right now. I'm going to ask you to keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed. And if you'll just slip up your hands and let me know, I can pray for you this morning. That's all I want to do. I'm not going to call you out. I just want to pray. I see your hands. Thank you. I see that hand. I see it. Thank you. Hallelujah. I see your hand. Thank you. Father, thank you. Lord, you already know of the circumstances that these folks find themselves in. God, and, and we want to be open to you. We've surrendered our lives to you, God. We, we've said yes to you, and we've accepted Christ as our Savior. But Lord, we need to let go of some baggage, some labels that have been associated with us long enough. And Lord, have you have the last word in our life, God. Lord, for those that have raised their hands, I pray that you would minister to them right now. God, and for all of us today, Lord, as we, as we approach this season and we come in contact with maybe some not so lovely family members or friends, God, Lord, that through us, they would see the beauty of Jesus. Let us not sink to their level, but reflect the beauty of Jesus. Help us today, we pray. Lord, go with us, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.